Amen. Let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. And thank you so much, Amber and Elio. And that was their brother, her brother, Stephen. All in the family. They're married. Not the guitar player. I'm going to quit this. <clears throat> It's the new year. It was a long night. All right, I want to talk to you today, a New Year's message, and I just want to call it Stretch Your Faith. I always seek the Lord for what He might be saying to us for the new year. I don't want to just get up and give you my thoughts, but I want the mind of Christ, and I think that I have it here for us. Uh, out of this message in 2 Kings 13, we're going to read one of my favorite stories. Powerful story with a message. 2 Kings 13, verses 14 and 19. <clears throat> Let's read it. <clears throat> now, Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. Joash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. Here's what he said. My father, my father, he cried. When he had taken, now I'm having a hard time reading this because it's in white. I'm going to look up here. He said, my father, my father, and then the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. Elisha then said something very unusual to him. He said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory and the arrow of victory over Aram. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today, and we pray your blessing on it, and that you will speak to us from this word and give us a word, an anchor for the new year, a challenge for the new year. Speak to our hearts, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, let this be my word. Guide me for this new year. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Thank you. You can be seated. Now, uh, first in this story, we have the looming death of Elisha. It says in the Bible that Elisha had become sick with the illness with which he would die. It was time for Elisha to go home to be with the Lord. Now, when King Joash heard of Elisha's illness, it says Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him, and the king began to weep over the dying prophet, began to cry over him. And it was a very emotional scene. This Reaction of Joash, actually, if you know about Joash, might seem strange when you consider the Bible's testimony about him. Because this was not a man of God weeping over the death of a man of God. The Bible says about Joash that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord and followed the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. So this Joash was not a man of God. Kind of unusual for a heathen or a, somebody doing evil on the side of the Lord to weep over the death of a man of God, but he did. 
Uh, and what we read about Joash was he was not really a worshiper of false gods, though he led the people into idolatry. But even more dangerous, he was a false worshiper of the true God. He didn't just worship idols, but he was a false worshiper of the true God. His religion was all form and no substance. It was a show. There was nothing genuine in it. That's Joash. He was just going through the motions. He knew what to do, how to look, how to talk. But his heart was far away from the Lord. But even this backslidden man wept over what Elisha's departure meant for Israel. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, once said, Dear friends, let us seek to live that even ungodly men may miss us when we are gone. When Joash visited Elisha, he wept and cried out in sorrow, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And no doubt he was recalling how Elisha had said these very same words when his mentor, Elijah, was taken up into heaven by the fiery chariots chariots and the horsemen of God. He had said the very same words, My father, my father, the horsemen and the chariots of Israel. And Joash was remembering those words uttered by the man who was now dying. Now, on hearing Joash, Elisha didn't do what I might would have done, or, or you. He didn't reach out and say, now, now, son, that's okay, it's going to be all right. He was ever the prophet, ever teaching, ever sharing the Word of God. So he told him to do something, and now it's show and tell time. He's going to give him an example that relates to faith and victory. He says, I want you to take a bow. Hold the bow in your hands. So he picks up a bow. Picks up that bow and holds it in his hands. And then it says, then Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the east window. He opened the east window. Then Elisha said, now shoot that arrow. He shot. Then Elisha prophesied. And he said, that's the Lord's arrow. I want you to see it, Joash, as the Lord's arrow. And here's what it means, Joash. It means that you are going to win the battle against the Syrians. As a matter of fact, here's the word of the Lord to you, Joash. You are going to completely destroy Israel's mortal enemy, the Syrians. That's the word of the Lord to you. You are going to completely destroy Israel's greatest enemy, totally. Now, so here it is. He shoots it. The arrow goes flying off into the distance. Then comes the word of the Lord. That arrow is a picture of what you're going to do. It means something. You're going to totally destroy the Syrian army. Now, you might find it a little bit strange that he would do this little show and tell, but it had a meaning in those days. It was the ancient custom to shoot an arrow or to throw a spear into the country that you were going to invade as a signal and a symbol of coming attack. So in those days when a foreign or when a, a, a general of Israel's army was going to invade a country or vice versa, they would shoot an arrow into that country or throw a spear into that country. And it basically was a symbol of here we come, we're about to engage you in war. But there was a deeper meaning than that here because the prophet of God 
was bringing Joash an object lesson, a show and tell, something that he could wrap his mind around. He used this illustration of the arrow shot through the window to show fearful Joash that the arrow of the Lord's deliverance was still present. And even though Elisha was dying and all that Joash had to do was shoot the arrow in faith. In other words, Joash, yes, I'm dying, but the God that I have served is still here. And the God that I have served is still going to help you. If you will let him help you, Joash, even though you haven't been living right, if you'll get your life together and you will move in faith towards the Syrian army, the God that has been with me will be with you. I might be leaving the scene, but our God never leaves. He is always there to help you. He is never going to walk out. And Joash, he's not walking out on Israel. I want you to understand, Joash, that the same God that I have moved with faith, moved with, with faith and by faith in my following of him, is the same God, Joash, that you can turn to in faith and see a victory. The same God that had been with Elisha would also be with Joash if he acted in faith. Now next, Elisha gave him a divine imperative. He said, for you must, Joash, you must strike the Syrians. You must. That's called an imperative. When God gives you a must, you know what? You better must. When God gives you a must, you must do it. When God gives you a must, you better not leave it alone. Paul said, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. God has given me a divine must. Think about it in your life. What has God told you you must do? There's some musts in my life that I know I must do. Woe to me if I don't preach the word of God. Woe to me if we don't build this church. Woe to us if we don't reach the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got a divine must. Now here's what God was saying. He was saying to Joash, if you act in faith, Joash, you will utterly destroy your enemies. It's a done deal if you act in faith. It's yours for the taking. Now, Joash, go for it. I'm with you. Go for it. Now next, he does something as if to see whether Joash had gotten the message. It's another show and tell time. It's another time for illustration. And here's what he says to him. He says, now, Joash, you've heard me. You've heard my prediction that you are going to utterly destroy the Syrians. You know what the arrow meant, flying into the east, out of the east window, toward the Syrian army. Now, Joash, I want you to grab some arrows. So he grabs some arrows. And then the prophet said to him, now I want you to strike the ground with those arrows. Now, almost all commentators agree that he wasn't commanding Joash to take an arrow in his hand and hit the ground with it. That's not what he was telling him to do. But he was commanding him to shoot the arrows into the ground with his bow. Now, here he got this prophet, and he has just given this man, Joash, the king of Israel, a prophecy and now he says, now, now let's see if you get what I've been telling you. Grab some arrows. He grabs arrows, and he says, now, now start shooting them into the ground. Huh? I'm used to shooting at a target, not the ground. He said, do what I'm telling you. Shoot them into the ground. So King Joash grabs a sh uh, an arrow, shoots it into the ground, one. Shoots it into the ground, two. Shoots it into the ground, three. 
three arrows into the ground. He shot, and then he stopped. And what happened next must have made Joash's knees shake. Because the Bible records that the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. What does that mean, Pastor Jeff? Here's what it means. King Joash had failed to take full advantage of the opportunity to respond to God with strong faith. The shooting of the arrows into the ground has served as a barometer of the strength of his faith, a thermometer of the temperature of his faith, and an indicator of the willingness of his faith. He just gotten a word from God. You, Joash, are going to destroy the Syrian army. Totally. Well, he ought to have been cranked by that. He ought to have been excited by that. But you know what? Scripture indicates he did not shoot the arrows with gusto. In other words, if you're really excited about what God has just told you, you grab arrows and you just start shooting. You're excited. I'm ready to go. But you see, the prophet was measuring his faith level. And it was dull. It was lackluster. It was a lackluster response to God's great and awesome promise. It, was, it did not prove, his actions did not prove to be those of a man moved with zeal for what God had said. It was, oh, well, okay, kind of pulled it back halfway, thunk, thunk, thunk. They barely stuck in the ground. Remember, folks, he had just been involved in the dramatic enactment of a stirring, moving prophecy. The greatest prophet on earth had told him that he, Joash, would completely destroy the Syrians, the scourge, and the enemy of God's people. He had just heard Elisha make the connection between the arrow shot through the window and certain victory over the Syrian army. Yet his response was one of unenthusiastic lukewarmness. And Elisha was mad at him. He said, what I just showed you and what we just talked about should have built your faith. You should be responding to the word of the Lord in faith. Now, let me, let me try to step into Joash's mind for a moment because, you know, he's really not very different from you and me at all. Joash, what excuses or reasonings were preventing him from a greater show of faith? Let's just guess. The Bible doesn't tell us this, but I know people and I know me and I know you. And so let's, 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 just, let's just venture to guess. He might have stopped shooting because, well, I didn't want to be presumptuous and ask for too much. Or I stopped shooting because I'm not a very good archer. I'm only a one-gift guy. Or I stopped shooting because Elisha didn't help me more. Or I stopped shooting because I thought three was plenty. Or I stopped shooting because I didn't think it would do any good. Me, just me, with a bow and arrow, how can I make any difference? Or I stopped shooting because I wasn't in a shooting mood. I didn't feel like shooting. Didn't feel like witnessing. Didn't feel like going to church. Didn't feel like praying. Didn't feel like getting into the Word of God. 
Hello out there, y'all are quiet today. I just kind of lost my, I've kind of, I've kind of mellowed out a little bit. Just don't feel like shooting a whole lot. I've, I've grown up some. No, you haven't. Get back into the cage stage. How about this? I stopped shooting because I didn't want to get overexcited. We don't want to be too excited about this God stuff. Whatever the reason, listen, whatever was going through his mind as he went thunk, 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 it hindered his faith. Now here's a Bible truth, and I want you to remember this. True faith from God will always manifest in action every time. Listen to James. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it's dead faith. If it is not accompanied by putting your feet to your faith, your hands to the plow, your mouth to the word, your mind to the Lord, it is dead faith. Dead faith. No faith. James said, show me your faith without your deeds, without your actions, and I will show you my faith by what I do. So if he had strong faith, he would have shot and shot and shot and shot and shot. Now let me make a few applications for us today for 2012. From this true account out of the Word of God of King Joash and the prophet of God dealing with him. First, here's the first application. We too, turning point and everybody listening to my voice, we too have a word from God. I said we have a word from God. We're not just on a hamster's wheel going around through religious motions for nothing. We have a word from God. Open up the east window and shoot. Jesus said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. I tell you, I love this part, listen to this, Jesus said this, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. We have a word from God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. We have a word from God. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the world, therefore go for it. We've got a word from God. You've got a quiver full of arrows. It's the word of the Lord. This is a book full of red-hot flaming arrows that the enemy hates. Load up and shoot. Man, I feel the anointing of the Lord here today. I want some of you to get off of your blessed assurance and get hot again. said that in church <laughs> oh I could say a whole lot more today in another place he said listen to this be it unto you according to your faith Joash you should have shot four and five and six but as it is your faith only carried you through three arrows and then you fizzled Joash's challenge I noticed was open-ended it was an open-ended challenge he could have struck 30 times instead of three. One commentator wrote, he should have continued smiting the ground with arrows till the prophet said, enough! 
Wouldn't you love for the Lord to have to say, Whoa, son, enough! Instead of, What are you doing? And like Joash, the promise to us in a very real sense is open-ended. Now here's my word for this year. This is the word of the Lord for our church and everyone listening to me. I believe every believer in America, this is the word. The promise to us is open-ended. That is. Jesus said you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. As long as it's within the parameters of the will of God, whatever you pray for it will be yours. It's open-ended. It's open-ended. That's what I love about it. It's open-ended. What can your faith stretch for? Reach for? Believe for? Yearn for? Cry for? Pray for? When you look out through the window of faith, as Joash looked out through the eastern window, what is God telling you He wants you to possess? What has the Lord put in your heart today? And if you dared believe for it, if you dared believe for it, you would want it. And it's within the parameters of the will of God for you. It's not something sinful you want. It's not something fleshly you want. It's something that you know that God has put in your heart. It's a part of your destiny, part of your calling, part of your purpose. What is it? You say, well, if I had the faith, I'd go for it. You've got the faith. Well, well if I could really believe God for that, I would go for it. Go for it. Well, what if I don't get it? Well, shoot for the star. You'll at least hit the moon. Think about that. Think about what God has put in your heart and then ask yourself, will my response to what I really believe God has for me, will it be one of enthusiastic faith or will I respond with mediocre lukewarmness like Joash? Will I be an Elisha or will I be a Joash? How many arrows would you shoot into the ground today if you were in Joash's place? What we experience in 2012, I'm telling you, will be according to our faith. What are we going to stretch for, reach for, believe for, long for, pray for, fast for, intercede for, go for? I see more in this account. Elisha clearly asked Joash to do something that resembled prayer in this, in this sense. Like prayer... Shooting the arrows required two crucial things, aim and effort. As Joash pulled back that bowstring, aimed toward the east and shot, we too must have aim and accuracy when interceding before God. In other words, we're not as those, as Paul said, that are just beating the air trying to hit anything. We're not shotgun praying, just hoping it hits a bird somewhere in the sky. No, we got a sniper rifle. If I can use that language in a politically correct culture, we've got a sniper rifle and our crosshairs are on a goal, a target that God has given to us. He pulled back that bowstring. He said, I don't wonder what I'm shooting at. 
I know what I'm shooting at. I know the direction that I'm going in. And I'm doing it under the direction, the instruction, and the guidance of God's prophet. Watch this. It says, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands as he pulled the bowstring back and fired. He wasn't doing it alone. He was doing it under divine direction and instruction. Oh, I love that. Because you get into the place of prayer, you don't just need to try to hit something, but you need to say, Holy Ghost, take hold of the bowstring with me. Take hold of the bowstring with me. Take hold of this bow with me and help me to guide my prayers and guide my life and guide my goals and guide my longings and guide my dreams for what you're pointing to. I want your will and not mine. I want to hit something and I want it to matter. I want my life to count before God before I go home. I want to see the devil defeated and soul saved. I want to see Jesus glorified in my life. Come on, church. That's right. Yes, sir. I'm not going to chop at a tree with a wooden handle. I want that axe head. That axe head has to do with knowing exactly what you're to pray for, interceding with intent and purpose, knowing the mind of Christ. See, see, Joash knew the mind of the greatest prophet on earth, Elisha, but we have a better than Elisha. We have a greater than Elisha. And our prophet is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Lord of glory. And, and he knows exactly what he wants us aiming for. We need the mind of Christ, our own great prophet. Our prayer should be, oh God, touch my heart with your desires, your will, your purpose. And I will aim my prayers accordingly. Mm, I could preach on every one of these points for Sundays in a row. I want you to know, folks, we serve a living God. And the Holy Ghost inside of us is very real. And when you get into the prayer closet and shut the door and turn off the phone and, and get rid of People magazine and throw out all the secular stuff and turn off that computer and, and shut the world out and get into that prayer closet alone with God and say, Lord, here I am. Show me what to do. He will come and grab that bow. And he'll say, now, son, aim this way. Now, daughters, shoot this way. This is what I want you to do. This is what I'm doing with your life. And boy, then you live with intent and purpose and meaning. But there's more in this account. Also, the prophet guided Joash to shoot the arrows through a window he pointed to. He said, I want you to go over to that east window, Joash, and that's the one I want you to open. Oh, my. Let me tell you. God knows the doors He wants you walking through. He knows the windows He wants you to open. Listen, He's the one who opens and no man shuts, and He shuts and no man opens. You know why you've been kicking against that one door and nothing has opened? Because there might be a window somewhere He'd rather you go through. That's why maybe that relationship hadn't worked out or that job hadn't worked. Maybe He's pointing to a, an east window and saying, that's the one, open that one. I don't know. But I'm just saying when he says open up that window, then you've got the authority to open it. You've got the power to open it. You've got the name and the blood and the Holy Ghost with you. As you open that window, he, he shot his arrows. That is, the energy of his life 
went through the window of God's choice. We're on 45 radio stations right now. Not one of them have I sought. Not one of them did I knock on. They came to us. And, and this, this uh, WinNet TV. As a matter of fact, let me think. This Saturday, this coming Saturday, we launch in the Philippines. That came to us. I haven't sought one of them. They, it was the, Jesus said, open up that east window. There it is. I Open up that east window. That's where I want you to shoot the arrows of the Word of God. Go through there. And then when that TV came to us, I didn't go to it. It came to us. And now God is saying, now shoot through that window. I don't want just any window. I want that east window. Whew, this is a good word for the new year. I'm telling you. Some of you need to hear this. <clears throat> and I also noticed that the shooting of the arrows had a perfect timing. And when that moment passed, it was passed. We know from Scripture that Joash only partially conquered the Syrians. What had been the word of the Lord to him? I'm going to give you the whole, you're going to defeat all the Syrian army, but he didn't do it. You know why? Because he had a word from God. But he didn't mix his faith with the word, and he didn't conquer everything God told him to. Because his faith only measured out to be three kerthunks into the ground of those arrows, and that was it. And his faith fizzled. And we know from Scripture that, that he only partially conquered the Syrians with three victories, as God had said. And then the opportunity for Joash was over. The Bible tells us, be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. I want you to know, church, that we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Our God is a God of exquisite timing. It's exquisite. It's precise. It's perfect. Concerning a person's salvation, God says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says of Jesus coming to earth on that first Christmas morn, but when the right time came, God sent His Son. Timing, timing, timing. Jesus said concerning doing His will, quote, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the One who sent us because the night is coming when no one can work. John 9, verse 4. See, there is a timing. Time to sow, time to reap, time to live, time to die, time for war, time for peace, time to act, time to withhold from acting. In the New Testament, the time is here to go for it. Because the time is short. Now let me summarize. We have a word from God that is open-ended bound only by the parameters of His will. What are we going to stretch for this year? It requires aim and effort, which means knowing the mind of Christ, which you only get in prayer. It means walking through the doors He opens in this new year and only the doors He opens. And it means responding to the timing. Responding to the timing. Now, in closing today, I want to remind you as we enter into a brand new year of 2012, 
Church, hear me. We live in dark days. We live in dark days that are growing darker. And we are living in days that require our uttermost for his uppermost. And I want to challenge TPC and our radio friends and internet friends and whoever else hears this message that we must keep shooting in the battle against sin. Keep shooting in the attainment of spiritual maturity. Keep shooting for a stronger faith. Keep shooting to advance the kingdom of God. Keep shooting in pursuit of God's will for our lives. Keep shooting in the face of persecutions and a weakening Western Christianity. Keep shooting our prayers toward heaven till our desired breakthroughs come. Keep shooting because the world, the flesh, and the devil will never stop their shooting. And praise God, neither will we. Jesus said one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. In other words, keep shooting. Keep shooting. When you're discouraged, keep shooting. If you don't feel it, keep on shooting those arrows. If you wake up in the morning and say, well, you know, I just don't have it in me, stir up the gift that is within you and get it in you. It's time for every man to stand up and be a man, every woman of God to stand up and be a woman. As the, as the worship leader said, we are not victims in 2012. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And we're going to make a difference in this world. I know many of you today are shooting the arrows of faith with all of your might. And I also suspect that some of you are following in Joe Ash's path. You've lost your spiritual cutting edge, but I've got a word of encouragement for you. It's not too late to pick up the arrows of faith. And shoot not one, not two, not three, but everything in your quiver and then go find some more. It's not too late. The call of God is upon His church. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let's target the souls of men with all of our might and win some great victories in Jesus' name. This year, stand up with me, can you? And give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you, Lord. Come on, our time has come. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now I want to tell you something while you're standing. Tomorrow, uh, Next Sunday, on the 8th, myself and the TPC leadership, and, and I'm inviting all of you to join with us in a fast. Say, oh boy, as soon as I hear that word, you lost me. Let me tell you something. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. How do we live? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Why are we going to fast? Because the Bible says that the fast that God chooses breaks the heavy burden. It breaks the yoke. It sets captives free. It sharpens your ability to hear the voice of God on where you're to aim for this year. It humbles you in the presence of God. Here's a huge plus. You'll lose a little bit of weight. The fast that God chooses, and you can go as long as you want to, the leadership's going to go a week from Sunday to Sunday. Now, if you want to go a day, two days, three days, I'm not mandating. Um, 
And I'm going to be sending you an e-blast, that is an email message, to all the emails that we have, and we're going to be talking about it in the days to come. But how do you prepare for a fast, and what kind of fasts are there? Some people just drink water. Some people drink fruit juice and don't eat any food. Some go on Daniel fasts. I'm going to send you that stuff, and we're doing our best to get a book by Jensen Franklin called God, uh, The Fasting Edge, and we're going to have it in the bookstore by Wednesday night if you want to get it, and if you just go a day, listen, it says, humble yourself before God. Why are we going to fast? Because we want the maximum blessing in 2012. So you can go a day, two days, three, a week. If you go with us, we'll begin on Sunday, next Sunday, and we'll end next Sunday. We're going to have a church service next Sunday. Because a lot of us are going to come in going on Holy Ghost power and nothing else. And we're going to pray, and we're going to seek God, and we're going to believe God to pour out a devil-stomping, Christ-glorifying year where God is going to get the praise in this church. And we're going to have east windows are going to open. So I want to invite you to pray about it. And you'll be getting that e-blast in the mail or in, the, in your uh, email. And Wednesday night we'll be talking about it more and those books will be available. And, and uh, so just pray and see what the Lord, the Holy Spirit says to you. But let's bow right now in prayer, can we? Father, thank you. For your blessing thank you Lord that there is a call on our church but we're going to have to go for it we're going to have to stretch our faith we're going to have to shoot those arrows and not just three Lord in Jesus name we pray that this church will become a weapon in your hands to storm the gates of hell and that Lord the people of God will be built up in the faith their character strengthened their lives liberated. This will be a year when the face of God shines on us and blesses us and the fruit grows rich. Now with your heads bowed a moment, you say, Pastor Jeff, I needed that word today. And that spoke to me today, but I don't know if I've ever really known Christ. You may be a visitor here today. And somebody brought you or you came on your own just to see what in the world's going on up here. And you've had some religion like Joash, some form. You know what to say. You know what to do. But the reality of it hadn't been in your heart. Do you know that today you can leave this building with that question settled? Why would you drive away and not do it? Why would you go one more day without answering the question, is Jesus living in my heart? We've all been there. It's not a condemning message I'm bringing to you. It's a question, the most important question you'll ever answer. Or you used to walk with him and you've drifted and you've gotten away. And you need to come back and just say, Lord, I want that cutting edge again. Lord, I want that cutting edge. Lord, I, want to, I don't want to be just shooting those three arrows and barely getting by and missing the fullness of God's purpose for me. But I want the fullness of His purpose for me. I'm talking right to you today. I've been there. You're not alone. I know what it feels like 
to be a child of God, but not fully there like you should be. You can settle it right now today. Why not do it on this first day of the new year? With your heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories, and I want to settle it today. It would be my honor to pray with you. Don't worry about anybody in this room. Just forget about this room. This is between you and your maker. He has a purpose for you. Don't miss the fullness of it like Joash did. But grab hold of God now today. Say, Pastor Jeff, I'm in one of those two categories, and yes, I will let you pray with me. I want you to put your hand up right where you are. I need the Lord to settle these issues today. Real high, I see you everywhere. Come on, put them up. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. God bless you. God bless you and you. I'm going to ask you right now to do something. I want you to slip out into the aisle and come down here right now. Say, why do I have to come down there? Because you take one step. Remember what I said about action? Bible faith has action. It puts motion to your feet. You take a step. So I want you to take that step and let faith arise in your heart. And just slip out and come as we worship for a moment. Here's some who have already come say, I want to give my heart to him fully this year. I want to do it fully. I want to walk with him with all of my heart and start out this year the way I should. We're going to wait a moment as we worship. Go right ahead. Thank you, Lord.